Hey friends, it's Corey Andrew Powell here, letting you know it's time to treat yourself with an exclusive Motivational Mondays deal at the NSLS shop. Listeners get 20% off shop-wide with the code MONDAYS. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Need a new coffee tumbler? Or perhaps you want to keep it classy with a new hardcover notebook? Well, get them on sale. Listen, with this deal, I'm tempted to trade in my bow tie collection for one of those cute NSLS hoodies. And don't forget, use code MONDAYS at checkout. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Enjoy that 20% off at shop.nsls.org. And stay motivated, leaders. Stay motivated. Hello, everyone. I am Corey Andrew Powell, and I am joined today by Joshua Cantor. Now, Joshua is the founder and director of True Nature Education and True Nature Travels. True Nature has been a pioneer in the global travel and adventure culture, service, and educational travel industry for over 10 years. So, Joshua, it's just, it's a pleasure to have you here today. So thanks for being with us on Motivational Mondays. Hey, Corey, thanks so much. So grateful to be here and excited to connect with you today. So Joshua, to begin with, I would love to hear more about True Nature for those who don't know what you guys do and what the True Nature Traveler can expect. Yeah, so True Nature Travels, um, you know, we're an experiential travel company and our focus is to support our travelers in having transformative experiences traveling the world and experiencing the world through the eyes of their own true nature. And so we, you know, true nature has a double meaning and true nature, you know, first of all is, is representing the, the true nature of the environment of the different places we visit all around the world. And we utilize the true nature of the places we visit to reflect our own true nature. And so basically, you know, our mission is to create these experiences that open, you know, one's eyes, one's mind, one's heart to their own true self. And we do that through experiential learning experiences that incorporate, you know, service learning, adventure, leadership, and also mindfulness. And so, um, you know, every trip is unique and every one of our travelers is unique. And our goal is to, you know, really meet everyone where they're at, creating, you know, accessible and, um, you know, memorable life-changing experiences, ideally. And so ideally is not like just going to a foreign land and chilling out by the hotel pool and staying inside the, you know, inside the hotel for a whole week. This is like immersive, right? Within the different cultures. And so interacting with the people, the natives, I would imagine, of these countries, that's a big part of it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we often talk about the difference between your standard vacation and a true nature journey. And, you know, we also use the terminology retreat. And this is really, you know, as far from what is going to be your average vacation. I mean, you mentioned this is an immersive experience, an authentic experience, um, really tapping into what is, you know, the authentic roots of the culture and the place in which our travelers are visiting to. Yeah, we spend a lot of time in either living in the locations where we visit or definitely diving deep into the native culture and um, to provide, you know, this experience that um, really gives a clear reflection of, of, you know, what is the, you know, authentic culture of the place in which people are visiting and creating activities that, um, you know, help bring out once again, um, the true nature of the traveler that is, is on the journey. One of the things my European friends love to sort of make fun of, uh, of Americans and they'll, you know, take little jabs, but there's a stigma for, about Americans specifically that we don't really for travel as much as we should or, or go outside of our 
environments that we're comfortable with. And not many of us, as many as you would think, hold passports, et cetera. So I wonder if you have found in what you do that you are getting more of a transformative situation for someone who maybe comes back from an excursion like this and their eyes are opened? Or do you get stories about how it's transformed people thinking about their own existence in, in, in accordance with other people who they may not have ever considered how they lived until they met them? Yes, completely. This is exactly what keeps us keeps us going every day, year after year doing this work is really the change and the impact that happens. I mean, the trip itself is one thing and the program is one thing, but it's really actually, you know, I believe what happens when someone returns from these journeys that really, I think is, is really our goal. I mean, we're going for the long-term change and impact for those that we touch. So yeah, numerous stories over the years, directly with NSLS members and students, a lot of these students, you know, we find a lot of them have never traveled outside the the borders of the U.S. And so for them, it's an extremely eye-opening experience. And a lot of them, you know, are in the middle of their university studies. And we've heard stories of, you know, changing direction of their major or, you know, really impacting, you know, where they're going to be seeking jobs. We've had them reach out to us and be like, Hey, can I have a connection, you know, with this place in Italy? Because I'm thinking about going to work abroad. I've never thought I would do this. So that is very common. And then, you know, with our adult travelers, similar, like lots of stories of changing jobs, changing locale, wanting to meet people outside of the U.S. So a lot, a lot of change comes from these trips and, you know, it's, uh, it's exciting to me. I mean, it's really, you know, really at the, at the root, I would say of the mission and of, of the journey of true nature is, is wanting people to just look outside their box, their container, what like their everyday life they think it is and realize that, you know, the world is, is really limitless and they're really limitless. And so these experiences hope, hopefully just, you know, help plant seeds or water seeds of their, of their dreams that they have. Yeah, that's so important because I can remember being a child and we didn't have a family that traveled a lot. I mean, we took road trips, you know, we would drive back and forth between Virginia where we were, all, you know, where we were all from and New Jersey. But I didn't take my first flight till I was 23. And that was to Puerto Rico. And it felt like I had left the country, but I didn't. So it was like very safe, you know. But you're right. Europe, for example, definitely changed my perspective about the world. You know, um, the one thing I noticed was that automatically as an American, I did like every other American at that time probably made the assumption that everyone spoke English, right? I'm in France and I'm wondering why aren't they speaking English? <laughs> you know, those, but those sorts of things that, you know, something as simple as that, you just go, oh, I, well, because America is not the only thing that exists. So I think it's definitely an eye opener for so many reasons as far as how a person views themselves and views the world. Now, I know you actually started this in 2000. Uh, well, actually, we, we began in Costa Rica as a location. Um, and the first retreat was in 2003, I believe. True Nature began as a facility. We began as a intentional community and learning center. And so we um, actually purchased the property in 2003. And our first year actually was a lot of listening to the land, taking things very slowly. We took a very contemplative approach to the development of the property. And really in, in 2004 actually was our first program. And I co-led a, um, a college course on sustainable community development and that was the beginning. So we were on the land at first, and that's really you know where 
where I learned about the facilitation of, of programs, also tending to, to land and to community. And um, those first seven years were really a big learning curve for myself and our partners in the, in the project. And, you know, from there, you know, we started off with this college course, we had a few other colleges, and then we began to, began to expand. We started having courses on, you know, environmental sustainability and yoga, meditation, nonviolent communication. We started having some corporate groups come and it kind of just began to, to grow little by little and, um, you know, in its grassroots way. But that first chapter was, was quite powerful in Costa Rica. Yeah. And it's really important too, what you just mentioned, because there's another lesson there that I don't want anyone to overlook, which is, you know, it began with an idea. It began with a vision. And you said, you know, those first seven years, everything wasn't perfect, right? But it was moving forward and being implemented. And I think that to see where it's gone today is that's a prime example of just being proactive when you have an idea about something and going forward with it and and seeing where it takes you, right? Because now you have this, this wonderful brand. Now you also talk about, you mentioned mindfulness as well, but this idea of mindfulness meditation. And I, it, it seems pretty on the surface explanatory, but I would love for you to share what is meant by mindfulness meditation. Yeah. So I define mindfulness as intentional awareness in the present moment without judgment. My favorite piece of that description is actually the without judgment piece because, um, you know, naturally, um, especially our Western minds here in America, we love to judge, we love to critique. Mm-hmm. And um, instead of just observe and recognize and allow, which are kind of some concepts in mindfulness. So, I mean, asking mindfulness meditation, I mean, it's it's a big question. A little bit of background. I was first introduced to mindfulness when I was a teenager. And my grandmother gave me this book called Be Here Now by Ram Das, which maybe some of your listeners know of. If not, it's a, it's a pivotal book on my journey. And, um, it basically, you know, the gist of this big, thick blue book was just the title, just be here now. And I was quite fascinated early on just in, wow, the idea of just, we could just be here now. And because, you know, in this culture, there's constantly so much planning for the future, you know, our task list, one thing after the one thing after another, constant, like looking at the past and, you know, judging what has happened. And, you know, mindfulness is really about just being right here, right now. And, um, you know, mindfulness meditation itself, there's, um, plenty of instructions, you know, there's various kind of forms of mindfulness, but the basis is, is, is focused on the breath and focused on just being aware of your inhalation and exhalation. And it kind of starts there. And once we become aware of our breath helps us to bring us slowly into presence. And from there, we can kind of open up our senses from that point, opening up our, you know, our vision, our sense of hearing, our sense of smell, and just opening up to really the vast expansiveness of the present moment. And I'll just say that, you know, mindfulness and along with many meditations, it's often referred to as a practice. And it's really important to understand that mindfulness it's a practice. It's not easy. It's simple, the instructions, but it's a practice and it, you know, it takes time, energy. And, uh, and even though I've been practicing for, you know, 20 some years, one of the instructions is also often to come at mindfulness with the innocence of a child. So as we, as you come to meditation, no matter if it's your first time or you've been doing it for 20 years, come at it as if it's your first time today, you know, like here we are going to sit down. I'm talking to Corey. I'm following my breath. 
I'm aware of what's going on and I'm going to be as present as possible right here and right now. Mm. That is so powerful because you are right. We get wrapped up by all the distractions and this sort of constant hamster wheel of going after things more and more and more and more and more and we're on our devices and we don't get a chance to really unplug and just be sort of in the moment with ourselves without a distraction. So I find that so many people to this day, they really don't know themselves because they haven't had exactly what you just said, that moment of like stillness, calmness, right? Visualizing what they want in life, what they don't want in life, who they are, where they've been. I mean, all those things. And I've, I've, I've done that uh, in recent years and I, I see a better clarity, you know, in life for having done that. So, I mean, it's almost like it's a clinical thing people should do. Yeah. And it's becoming more and more clinical. There's so much research been done on mindfulness over the past decade. And uh, I have plenty of friends that are doctors that practice mindfulness and, and, you know, prescribe mindfulness before they're prescribing medications these days. Just like, hey, you know, find a mindfulness teacher, start a practice. There's plenty of awesome apps out there. There's so many tools right now to support people. And um, in creating a more mindful lifestyle, which is, you know, that's what it is. It's really, it's a really way, a way of being, but it starts with the simple practice of just finding a way to ground and, and uh, follow the breath and slow down and, you know, disconnect off and say, you know, disconnect in order to connect. We're so connected by these devices all the time, but really we need to really begin to disconnect from all these devices so we can reconnect with our, with ourselves, reconnect with our own, you know, innate presence. Yes. Yes. Well, I know you are a a musician um, as well. So I know you'll appreciate that. I actually, I am as well. And I wrote a song a few years back called uh, technology and computer parts. And the line was technology and computer parts cannot replace the human heart. That was like sort of like one of the the lines in there. And so as you're talking, I'm like exactly that. I feel it. I know it. And I completely agree with you. And just staying with mindfulness for a moment on a bigger scale, when it comes to interaction with other humans, I want to just kind of take it to another level. I began to think about this a couple of days ago when it comes to tumultuous race relations between people or problems with ethnic groups and whatever those adversities are that we're sort of facing a lot on the rise in this world. And I was walking down the street and a woman, I think uh, an Asian woman was walking by me and we stopped and um, said hello and smiled or something and just kept going. And in that moment, for whatever reason, I thought about she's someone's grandmother, she's someone's aunt, she's someone's Mm. mom. I saw her just in a quick, quick moment. I just took a moment to see the humanity in this person I just passed by. And I began to think of how we, that might be the core of why we have so many problems because we're not doing that. We're not seeing the humanity. And I kind of hear a lot of what you're saying when you talk about mindfulness. Do you see a correlation there as well? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's often said that mindfulness is not only a concentration-based practice, but it's also a compassion-based practice. And studies show that when you practice mindfulness, when you slow down, when you find the breath, when you calm your mind, it actually, it opens a part of the mind that actually connects with the heart. And so when we slow down, I think your experience is, is very common that we begin to see the interconnectedness, not only, you know, with ourselves and the world, but with one another, we begin to see that, wow, like, 
we, it doesn't matter, you know, the color of our skin or where we're coming from or what we do, or, you know, we are all interconnected. And so I think that, you know, these practices and there's actually practices, um, there's a practice called metta, which means loving kindness in the language of Pali. And that is a mindfulness practice that's directly correlated towards compassion. And in that, in that meditation, you know, you come to a space of stillness, a space of, a space of calm, and then you offer you know, this calm and this peace and this loving kindness to other beings. And so I completely agree. And, and I feel it, you know, when I, I like to say, uh, I've heard one of my teachers taught me one time, if you try to find a Chinese script for busy, it literally is broken down to, to heart killing something along these lines. Wow. So actually the busyness of the culture actually is in many ways shuts down our heart right? Shuts down our sense of, of connection. You know, that's why there's so much isolation. That's why there's so much anxiety, so much depression. And so when we do these practices, we become more mindful, we slow down, you know, instead of that heart killing, it's, it's, it's heart nourishing a heart nurturing that's happening. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I'm right there with you. I mean, I could go on and on, but yes, I think definitely direct correlation between mindfulness and compassion and connection. And mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. And, and you bring up a point too, when you tie that into again, going the clinical route and that ties into our actual physical health, right? So yeah. by having all that stress and continually like sort of chasing the next big thing, we are lessening our time here on earth in many cases. And I think that's why if you look at the far East and different parts of the world where they do take philosophies like the one you just mentioned to heart as a main practice, they live longer, like yeah, far longer than, you know, than we do. So, yeah. So, so for anyone listening, you know, I'm just saying you want to live a little bit longer, cut some of the, <laughs> cut some of the stress out of your life and, and disconnect a little bit. Now I, I do want to ask you because you do seem not seem, you are clearly very enlightened and advanced in your philosophies on these sorts of things, right? I mean, and how they correlate to life experiences, the interconnectivity to people. I'm curious to know though, were you always this way? Like you're from Los Angeles originally. So your background, you know, how did you evolve to be where you are now with that sort of level of clarity of enlightenment? Well, I'm happy in our short discussion, you're, you're, you're finding some enlightenment. I won't say it's me. I would say I, <laughs> I still have, I still have plenty of issues and I'm still, I'm still trying to figure out this, this wild ride on planet earth. Yeah. Yeah. Just like you are, just like we all are. Um, and yes, I grew up in LA. I would not say I was born with this awareness that I continue to seek. Um, but I think maybe quite the opposite. I think maybe growing up in the big city, Growing up like in, you know, in the shadow of Hollywood with lights and everyone striving to, to build up this sense of what they think is self, which I maybe look at as ego. I think it, it drove me to being a, a teen that felt isolated and felt disconnected. I didn't really feel like I was in the right place. Everyone was like hanging out at the beach or on the Hollywood strip. And I was hanging out in the Santa Monica mountains, just hiking and, and trying to figure out my own self. So I think really, um, sometimes our journeys in life and, uh, sometimes some of the, the harder elements of our life, I think then kind of push us in opposite directions. So, you know, I, once I was out of high school, I left LA immediately, um, went for, you know, literally greener pastures up in Oregon where I went to school at first. And, um, 
I think really the natural environment was the first thing that began to teach me. And I, you know, it's fitting that, you know, the company I run is called true nature, but really the true nature of, of um, the Northwest began my journey. And I just, you know, found so much solace in, in the rivers and the mountains and in hiking. And also, you know, when there's a lot of nature around, again, I feel like people begin to naturally just slow down and they're focused more on what's around them and the environment and spending time outdoors. And, um, and that was the beginning. And then I would just say, I mean, I mentioned, um, that book be here now that my grandmother actually gave, gave me when I was 16. So I also definitely think I've always kept my eyes open to those that have crossed my path and just been aware. You know, I feel like we all have something to teach each other. And I've just, from the time I've, I've been young and especially when I left LA, I just took note of all, you know, if it's a teacher or if it's a friend or if even if it's something I, someone I just come across walking down the street, just try to keep my eyes open and learn from people. And I feel like I've been really blessed to just come across some great reflections that have, uh, have guided my journey and continue to just like remind myself that, you know, I'm doing all right. I'm taking one step at a time and, uh, that there's a lot to learn in the world and just trying to keep an open heart, open mind, and, um, just be here now, be present as much as possible. Joshua Cantor, thank you so much for being here today and sharing so much that gives me a lot to think about. And I know our audience will have a lot to think about as well. And we're going to make sure obviously that new members who don't know about you can also find out more about True Nature and how they can get involved and maybe apply to go on um, some of these excursions with your group. So thanks for being here today on Motivational Mondays. Hey, thanks, Corey. Really a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for listening to Motivational Mondays presented by the National Society of Leadership and Success and available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Corey Andrew Powell, and I'll see you again here next week.